0: stand for the reading of the scriptures. This morning I'll be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Thank you. You may be seated.
1: Thank you, Mark. Well, how's everyone doing today? Good? Doing all right? Am I on? Can you hear me? Yeah, he's on. Okay, cool. Uh, well, if you happen to slide in a little bit later, let me introduce myself. If we have not had the chance to meet, my name is uh, Jason, I'm the pastor. Uh, at Hope City Church, and it, it genuinely—please hear my heart for those of you in the Harvest Congregation. It is genuinely an honor for me to be able to stand here today, and for our church congregation to be able to worship with you. You have opened your home to us, and we are so grateful for that. And maybe, like you, I—I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I know I was struggling to worship a little bit because I just wanted to watch. Anybody like I just kept looking around. And just really, my mind was just going a million places, which is not that uncommon. But my mind was just going a million places because I was thinking about um, I was thinking about the the pits and the bales all the way back, you know, Highland Park and River City Church of God and River City Worship Center. And this week, I've had a chance to hear about the Coomers and I've had a chance to hear about the Youngs and different families. And I could not help but wonder what they would be thinking. Uh, with this sanctuary full. I know many of you in this room were actually a part of the groundbreaking, and uh, I had somebody tell me there are names written under the carpet of of family members that wanted to be saved, they wanted to be saved in prayers, and so just so many things and connections. I was just thinking, man, Uh, it was actually while we were singing the song, even when I don't see it, you're working, and I just thought, you sure are, God, wow, Um, and it's just amazing, and so thank you our hope, our desire is that over the next few weeks we would get the, the chance to do some of this, these services together, and uh, and then you will have an opportunity to, to prayerfully vote. Nothing has been decided. Uh, the overseer, the, the, the denominational overseer will come, and you will have an opportunity to vote. Our prayer and our hope is that uh, this time together will help us to really connect with one another, fall in love with one another, and I will tell you to the Harvest Congregation, I will tell you that... Hope City has some of the most annoyingly nice people. (laughs) You want to not like them, but you can't help it. They're so nice. And I've been around them for 16 years, and I can't get rid of them. They just keep coming around and being nice. And so um, we're enjoying getting to know you and hopefully you getting to know us. And please do stick around for the cookout today. Uh, I know several of the ladies from Harvest, several of the ladies from Hope City have worked very hard to make that happen. And uh, we are going to ask you to put a name tag on for the cookout just so we can stop guessing and and calling everybody, hey, you, and and we can get to know some names, all right? But uh, it is an honor. And thank you, Mark, for reading our our scripture for us. My son Solomon, who is seven years old, he's sitting right there, and I told him I was going to talk about him today. (laughs) He's normally in kids' church, so he doesn't know that I talk about him, but he's going to know today. But my son Solomon, he's seven years old, he asked me a a very important question in the car this week. Solomon is our deep thinker in the family, especially when we're in the car. He loves to look out the window and to just get lost in thought like his dad, and so there are times you can see he's really working on something big, and and so that happened this week. He's looking out the window, and he's really thinking, and he looks at me, and he said, Dad, I have a question. So what is it, buddy? He said what if no girl wants to marry me because I keep losing my teeth? (laughs) You know, when you're seven, that's a legitimate question. (laughs) Teeth are being lost. We're not sure how many are coming in. There's a lot of things happening with the teeth. And, uh, and he just wasn't, he wasn't sure. And I tried to explain to him that you don't keep losing your teeth. I said, Solomon, I know right now you're losing them at a fast pace, but I promise it won't be like this forever. Eventually, I was explaining to him, eventually your baby teeth are going to, to be gone and your regular teeth come in and then you'll stop losing them. But he doesn't believe me just yet. He's not exactly sure about that. And I was thinking about that comment this week because I'm certain that for most of us in the room, except maybe our student section over here, I'm, I'm almost certain that we have lost our baby teeth. All of us have lost our baby teeth. Our regular teeth have come in. Um, but Solomon was thinking about something that all of us think about in one way or the, uh, the other. It's not baby teeth. But we do wonder if the way that things are now is the way that things will always be. It's not our teeth. The teeth is not the issue. But there are things about us now we wonder, will it always be this way? And not only do we wonder if it will always be this way, but we wonder if anyone will love us because of how it is right now. If you're someone who wrestles with anxiety or depression, you wonder, what if no one will love me because it will always be this way? Am I unlovable because of my anxiety and my depression? Or if your physical health or your physical appearance is not doing well, you wonder, will anyone love me because of how I am? Or maybe it's a relationship that's constantly in conflict, or it's it's a vice or a temptation that you always give into, and you wonder, is it always going to be this way? And will anyone, will anyone love us? Love me? Uh, Mark read us five verses today that give us hope, it gives hope to any person who follows Jesus that things don't have to stay the way that they are. That's the hope in the scripture this morning, is that things do not have to stay the way that they are. Now they can, they can stay the way that they are, they could get worse, but with Jesus things do not have to stay the way that they are, they can get better. Jesus invites us to change, but he really doesn't even invite us to change. He really invites us to be changed. And there's a big difference, even though there's only one word added in there. To change feels like pressure a lot of times. It's on us. We got to figure out what to do and what to eliminate and come up with lists and tasks and all those things. But to be changed is totally different. And I've been following Jesus now for about 23 years, and I know a lot of you have been following Jesus for a really long time, and I think we could probably attest that the Holy Spirit does more changing than we do. We try, we put forth effort, God uses our effort, but when we look back on all the things that have changed in our life, we have to admit, that was like barely any of me and like all God, right? And so, Christians call this, what I'm describing to you, we call this conversion. What I'm describing to you is conversion. And, and for the Hope City people who are kind of new to church maybe, um, I, I'm, I don't want to act like I've that old or been around church my whole life, but I have been around church a long time. And we used to call people who became Christians converts. That was the name that was used. And, um, but it sounded really close to convicts, so I'm glad that we changed that. Probably a good change. But the idea was that when you became a Christian, when you came to Jesus, you are converted. Something supernatural happened, something spiritual happened, and that conversion is the process of change that the Holy Spirit begins to do in your heart. But it almost never happens at once. It almost never happens at once. And the words that Jesus said to his first disciples here help us see what he wants to do in your life and in my life. And so for just a few minutes today, what I wanna do is I just want to show you what I believe is a very simple process. And I don't even like the word process because the Holy Spirit's involved. So it's not like following a recipe because when the Holy Spirit gets involved, it always goes a little differently than you think. But I'm going to use the word process because I think it's a very simple process that Jesus uses in our life. And I could give you countless examples of people in this room that he's used it in your life and in my life. And it's in verse 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Here's what Jesus said. Mark read it for us. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Come, Follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Could I get you to say that with me? It's up on the screen. We're just going to start with the word come there. Can we say that together? Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Now, this seems simple enough. Jesus says, come follow him. But, but did you notice the punctuation in the sentence? I'm married to an English teacher, so we pay attention to punctuation in our house. A, f- a few marriage fights have been started because of grammar. But, you know, the wrong punctuation can be really dangerous. And punctuation is specifically the comma is used to make sure that the reader understands the intent of the author. And so the comma goes in there to make sure intent is is known. And you may have seen this. I thought we'd laugh a little bit together. You may have seen some of these on the Internet. But I just Googled this week, dangerous punctuation. (laughs) And a few examples. Go ahead and throw that first one up there for me, Matthew, if you would. I like cooking my family and pets. Without commas, you're a psycho on this one because I don't think they meant they like cooking family and pets. I think they missed the comma. Let me, let me show you the next one. Attention, toilet only for disabled elderly pregnant children. That's a very specific demographic. I think they missed the comma. Here's, here's the last one. This is a big one for all the married folks. I'm sorry I love you. That's pretty good. I'm sorry I love you. Not so good. Not so good. So punctuation matters. And in this verse, the punctuation really matters because Jesus wasn't asking them to do three things at one time. He, he, was, he was showing a process. He said, come, comma, follow me, comma, and I'll show you how. Come, Stop. Follow me. Stop. And I will show you, I'll show you how. So, I just want to talk about those three statements. That's what we're going to do for the rest of our time this morning. I just want to talk about those three statements because, in these statements, Jesus shows us what it looks like to be a Christian and he teaches us how we are changed and how we can change. So, we're going to look at these three statements. And I just want to give you a heads up that at the end of this message, I'm going to challenge you. And I want you to assess where you feel like you are in this process. Come, follow me, and I will show you how. I want you to really ask the Holy Spirit to show you and reveal to you where you may be um, in in this process. So the first thing that Jesus said is, Jesus said, come. Everybody say, "Come." come. Jesus said, come. The first thing that Jesus does to these disciples is invite them to come along. They're not disciples yet. They're fishermen. They're not disciples, they're just invited to come along. And notice what Jesus didn't say. He doesn't say, change, then come. He, he, He doesn't say, change, then follow me. He says, just come. He doesn't say, commit, follow me and I will show you. He doesn't say, agree, follow me and I will show you. He simply invites them to come along. And Jesus was always doing this. He was constantly surrounded by people who were curious. People who couldn't stand Jesus could not stay away from listening to him teach and just hanging around him and being at dinner together. He was constantly surrounded by curious people, and they weren't believers. They weren't disciples. They were just curious. They were just hanging out on the fringes. They were probably sneaking out for some smoke breaks, you know. Probably had, you know, a couple warrants out, you know. Maybe, you know, there were some people who were, you know, notorious. There were some people who were notorious in the community, and maybe other people didn't want them there. But Jesus said, hey, you can just come check it out. You can just hang out on the fringes. It's okay. You can come hang out with me. And sadly, honestly, the church hasn't been great at this I mean, we're not throwing stones. We are the church, but the church hasn't been great at this because we usually place too many upfront demands on people that they don't feel like they can just investigate. Just so many upfront demands. And I feel this way, just so you know, I feel this way every time I walk into a hardware store, every time, every time, because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where stuff is. And I will walk in, and I need help, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know the, you know, the, I know how to hang out in a bookstore. So if you want, if you need bookstore etiquette, I'm your guy. But I don't know anything about hardware stores, especially Lowe's, because I think I park by the entrance and the exit, but then I come out, and my car's a long way away. I don't even know, okay? But... Some employees at the hardware stores make me feel welcome and they say, Hey, and I'm always insecure. So I'm like, I'm sorry. This is a stupid question. I don't know what I'm doing. And some employees are like, It's okay. It's great. Here's what you do. Here, let me show you. Others employees are like, Really? <laughs> really? But I don't know. I don't know. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, the church can feel like that. People come in, they haven't committed to Jesus, they're not believers. They show up and they don't know. And we're like, really? Really? And I know that many of the Harvest members who are here don't know me. And maybe you don't know that much about Hope City Church all that much. But this is something that we are incredibly passionate about. Incredibly passionate about. We work very hard to create the kind of church where someone who doesn't believe can at least feel comfortable coming or coming back. And they may not believe in Jesus yet, but they met some nice people who have a smile on their face, who make them feel welcomed, and they're at least curious enough and enjoyed their time at church enough that they want to come back. And as I look around this room this morning, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm looking around at guys like Brad and Pat and Bob and Alex and Bird, and man, you know, when they first started coming, it was like, you know, I mean, we'll see, whatever, and then you look back and their hands are lifted. Or A lot of times I'll say to, to people who come, who are just checking it out, but, you know, maybe their wife or their girlfriend made them come or whatever, and I'll say, listen, I just want to give you a heads up. Just want, I'm, I'm looking out for you. If you keep coming, you're going to like it. So if you don't want to like it, you need to stop coming. Because if you keep coming, you're going to love this place. So I wouldn't come much more unless you want to like it, because you will. And there has to be a place for people who aren't ready to be Christians but are curious enough to come. There's enough people who don't like Christians that if there's somebody who's actually open, man, I want them to feel like they can come. And this is where some of you are right now, and I love that. I love that. I love that some of you are here today, and you heard about the possibility of, you know, churches combining together, and maybe you have just started coming to Harvest last week, or maybe you just started coming to Hope City two weeks ago, and you're like, I don't know, but I mean... Okay, they said there's going to be food, so I'll go, you know. And, man, I'm just so glad you're here. And it's okay if you don't believe yet. I want you to. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to get a hold of your heart and your life's going to change dramatically because of Jesus. But that's okay if you're not there yet. And I just want to warn you, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. Okay, but Jesus didn't just say come. He he said come, comma, follow me. Follow me. Now, this is the next step in the Christian life where you go from just hanging around to becoming an actual Christian. And this is an important point that needs to be made. There is a definite moment when you move from coming to following. There is a, there is a definitive moment when you go from coming to following. It is a supernatural miracle. It is the Holy Spirit opening up your heart to be open to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus maybe like you never were before. And yeah, you have a choice to make, and you can decide to become a Christian, but in that moment, you don't feel like there's any choice to make. The famous C.S. Lewis line where he said, I didn't decide, I was decided upon. And if you've ever met Jesus Christ, you know what I'm describing. You say, yeah, I raised my hand, or I came forward to the altar, but what else was I going to do, you know? And... Um, In these moments, you're sure that you become a Christian and follow Jesus. You're not unsure about it, and we call this salvation. This is salvation. It's where you recognize that you are a sinner and you need a Savior and you commit to following Jesus. But we should not assume that everybody knows this because we live in a common law state. Last I heard, I don't know if that's still the law, but I think it is. And when I moved here 16 years ago, I had never met so many people who said they were married who were not actually married. But they had been together for decades, And it's easy to kind of begin to assume that that's how it works with religion and with Jesus, too. I don't really know when I became a Christian, but I've been coming to church 25 years. So, I mean, I guess I'm probably in. But there has to be a moment. There has to be a moment when you say, I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I need Jesus because if I try to fix me, I'm going to make it worse. But only Jesus on the cross is enough, and it's what I need You don't just kind of hang around long enough. There is a moment when you make a decision, and we call this salvation. The Bible talks about you feel like you moved from death to life. You feel like you were blind, but now you see, right? You feel like you were lost, but now you're found. These are very definitive, distinctive ways that are described when you start following Jesus. You're not on the fringes anymore, and it doesn't mean you have all your problems worked out, and it doesn't mean you don't make mistakes anymore or that you sin anymore. Of course you do, but you know I used to sin as a dead man, but now I sin as a man who's alive and know I need Jesus. I used to sin as a blind man, but now when I sin and make mistakes, I do it as a man who can see because Jesus is working. On me and I know that I'm following him. I know it. And this is how the prophet Ezekiel explained it. Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27, God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel said, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This is what happens when you decide or or feel like you decide to follow Jesus, that a new heart is put inside of you that wants different things, that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that's aware of things you weren't aware of before. You got a new heart, new desire, new motivations. You want Jesus. I've been in church long enough and I've been a pastor long enough that we spend a lot of time trying to motivate people to want to do spiritual things, And I think sometimes the reason we do that is because we're trying to get people who have not actually received a new heart to want things that that new heart should want. But when you meet Jesus, you know, you know, you know. And you want to do what he says do and you want to live what he teaches to live. And one of the reasons that I hope over the next few weeks both congregations would choose to do this is because I know that so many of you at Harvest have been following Jesus for decades. You have so much wisdom and faith that we need at Hope City Church. I love Hope City Church, and we've got so many new Christians and young Christians and and young families running around and a lot lot of former Catholics at Hope City. We love all our former Catholics at Hope City. But you've got 30, 40, 50 years of wisdom and knowledge of what it means to follow Jesus. And we need that. We need that. So we need you making a pot of coffee and inviting people over to your kitchen table to talk about Jesus. Like I did with Roger and Susie Friday, homemade cinnamon rolls. Woo! Come on. <laughs> the Holy Spirit and cinnamon rolls. That's a deadly combination. And so we 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 don't just come, we don't, we don't just follow. But Jesus said one more thing: Jesus said, and I will show you. I'll show you how. I've had the honor of pastoring and leading so many people who have started following Jesus. But one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people are surprised that even after they become a Christian, life is still challenging. And nobody says it. The pastor never says, if you find Jesus, all your problems will go away. But we kind of assume it. Or at least it will get a lot better. And it does get better because you have Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit. But you still have problems and challenges and this is why the last comment Jesus made is so important because you don't become a Christian and just magically live differently or get magically transported to heaven you come into the church if that's where it happens and you decide to follow Jesus and then you go home and you go right back to living beside that neighbor who's a jerk or your boss who treats you terribly or your spouse that you're fighting with, or your kids who don't respect you, or your bank account that is in the negative, or your physical ailments that you're carrying with you. Now you are following Jesus and you are saved, but you go back to your life, and it can be challenging. In Christianity, the Christian life happens in office cubicles, and neighborhoods, and school parking lots, and carpool lines, and it doesn't just happen in this building. And so God gives Christians himself in, this, in the form of the Holy Spirit to walk with us and teach us how to live. There's a word for this. We call this sanctification. This is sanctification. Technically, the following Jesus, if you wanted to use the word, would be regeneration. You could call it justification if you want to use all the, you know, seminary words if you wanted to. But really, we're talking about sanctification, which is just the process of God purifying us and changing our lives and setting us apart For him, that's what we mean when we say something is holy. We're setting it apart. And so God changes our life. He he sanctifies us. He is sanctifying us. Now, everybody hear me. I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. God loves you exactly like you are. Man, he loves you like crazy, could not love you anymore. Exactly like you are, God loves you. Jesus died for the very worst version of you. He's not waiting on you to get it together so he can love you. He's not waiting on you to right all your wrongs so he can be good to you. He loves you. But he does have better plans for your life. He does love you too much to leave you where you are and how you are. He does wanna bless you like a, like a earthly father, but even more like a heavenly father. And so, sanctification is how he changes us. And when you put your faith in Jesus as your Savior, you invite him in, and he moves in, and he starts moving around the furniture, and man, it is annoying sometimes how Jesus begins to change your life. Friends don't feel the same as they used to feel. Relationships don't feel the same. Your dreams sometimes change. Your passions sometimes change. Things that used to be fun aren't as fun anymore. You just begin to feel different because he's showing you how. He's showing you how. He's showing you how to live like the person that he created you to be. And I love, I know I already quoted C.S. Lewis one time, but it's kind of my thing. And so I'm just going to do it again. I love C.S. Lewis, but he described it this way in his, his book, Mere Christianity. I love the way he described this sanctification process. He said, It is more like painting a portrait than like obeying a set of rules talking about being changed by God. And the odd thing is that while in one way it is much harder than keeping rules, in another way it is far easier. The real son of God is at your side. He's beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. He is beginning so to speak to inject his kind of life and thought, his zo or zoe into you. It's not like following rules, it's like painting a portrait There's something that happens through the Spirit of God that begins to move into your heart, and it begins to make you more like Jesus, more like Jesus. But it takes time. And any hobby that you've ever picked up in your life, whether it's knitting or fishing or golf or hunting or whatever it is, you didn't know how to do it right away. You just hung around it. Maybe it was a parent who showed you or a friend who showed you. You hung around it. Then you decided you wanted to do it, so you had to make an investment to get some equipment or whatever it was, and then you begin to learn how. It's the same way with following Jesus. It's the same way. And so I just want to challenge you. We're going to pray in just a moment, but I just want to challenge you for a moment to, 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 to assess where, where are you in this faith journey, in this relationship journey, with Jesus. Where are you? Some of you, you've been coming, and you've been coming for a long time, but you've never made the decision to follow. Why not? What is it that's holding you back? Some of you have been following, and so you're a Christian. You, you were converted, or you experienced salvation, but you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to actually rearrange the furniture. It's still your life. You'll let him call the shots on a few things you don't care about, but you're still calling the shots on everything, still trying to control everything. Is that where you are? I don't know where you are, but I want to challenge you this morning, wherever you are, to take the next step. Maybe this is your first time here. Listen, just keep coming. Just keep coming. But some of you, you've been coming. It's time. Jesus has been knocking on your heart. You're trying to block him out, but he won't leave you alone. It's time. Some of you, you've been a Christian for a little bit or a long time, but you've still held on to the parts of your life you don't want to let go of. Give them to God. Let him show you how. I'm going to pray for us, and when I'm done praying, our prayer team, we have uh, some prayer, prayer team from Harvest, some prayer team from Hope City. They're going to go to their spots. They'll be up front, and they'll be in the back, um, and you can go to them for prayer, whether it's about the sermon or whether it's about something that is going on in your life that you want to pray about, but I'm going to pray for us that wherever we are, we wouldn't stay there and that God would continue to move us forward. Will you bow your heads with me? God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you're not just somewhere far away, leaving us on our own to try to figure out how to live this life or how to be a Christian, but you sent us Jesus Christ as an example to show us what it looks like to be wholly devoted to you, to live like someone who loves God. And so God, I pray for every person right now who is listening to my voice and they're wrestling with where they are or where they should be or what they're doing. And God, I just pray that you would get a hold of their hearts this morning and they would take the next step, whatever that is in their life. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, eyes closed. I don't wanna embarrass anybody. I'm not gonna call any attention to you. Nobody's looking around but me. But if there's anybody here who would say, Jason, it's my time. I know it's time to follow Jesus Christ. I wanna follow Jesus. I don't wanna just come. I wanna follow Jesus. I'm ready to be saved, to commit my life to him because I need a savior. And I know that he's that savior. Nobody's looking around. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up and you just say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put them down. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, anybody else? Put your hand down. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? All right, everybody look at me. We had lots of people raise their hand, maybe eight or nine, ten. I don't know. I wasn't counting. But people who are making a decision to start a relationship with Jesus Christ today, to follow Jesus. And so sometimes at Hope City, we like to do a little repeat after me prayer, and I'm going to do that. And we don't think that it's actually the words that save somebody. We think it's the intent of someone's heart and what the Holy Spirit's doing in their heart. But if you're making a step to follow Jesus, sometimes you need somebody to help you take that step with language. And so we're going to pray a very simple prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone in the room to pray it with me so we can give confidence and boldness to those who are praying that prayer, maybe for the first time or first time in a long time. So I know you're already following Jesus, but if you would pray with me so that those eight or nine or 10 people who raise their hand today would feel confident in their prayer and their declaration of faith. So will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. Please save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I give you my life. I give you control. The next time I fall, help me to get up and to run to you and not away from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God for those people?